Welcome one and all to episode 31 of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision Magazine. Today is March 2nd, 2020, and I'm Chris, the editor of Megavisions. Joining me this week is Sketchcraft. How's it going, man? Coronavirus free. Coronavirus. <laughs> In the future, That's what you like, think. think about someone listens to this a year from now, they're like, he died. He died like months later. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be uh it'll be hilarious because they'll be like, they're all dead now, and they thought that they uh they were yeah. uh, perfectly fine. Well, but, either uh, way, I'm free of the virus. You know what I mean? Yeah. One way or the other. So there was a lot of people freaking out uh over here because uh, at the base that I'm assigned to, it's one of the locations that if any of the uh, the people like leaving China, like the American citizens, uh, are evacuated and come through Newark Airport, uh, they very well could possibly come to our base um, and be quarantined here. Uh, and so people on the base are kind of freaking out about that. Uh, and it's just kind of a weird time right now with this whole coronavirus thing. So. Well, hopefully no one was listening to this to escape the news. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> Let me just turn on the old Megavisions podcast. I don't have to hear about all this end of times. Oh, my God. They won't <laughs> shut up about it. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't even get away from it in the game industry, you know, this past week because uh, we're going to get into it later on the show. But this week's podcast is going to be really heavily focused on PAX East uh, because I went up there and played a shit ton of games. But... The biggest news was that Sony and several other co game companies pulled out pretty much, you know, with days to go before the show began, and it left like a big hole uh, in the show floor, um, not literally, but figuratively, uh, and it was just kind of wild. So everyone was like freaking out about that. Then they decided that uh, GDC is going to get postponed. Uh, and that happened. And so, you know, no one really knows, like, what's going to happen. Is It's like, are these just the first dominoes to fall, you know, as far as, like, how much is going to impact the game industry? Who knows? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, and not not even including, you know, uh, movie theaters. And uh, I heard some AMC theaters were already starting to shut down. Popeye's chicken sandwich sales will probably do a little bit. Oh, like... no way. <laughs> No, there's no way, man. People, people would be willing to get the coronavirus if they knew that they could still get that Popeye chicken sandwich. Do it you, is pretty damn good. Do you think it would be a good time or in poor taste? You, you, you tell me, and we'll get we'll get to the game stuff. But just just answer this question: good, good timing or poor taste to add like a Corona beer special to like you know Tio Leo's <laughs> or Nail Pollo Loco Chicken? Like, should 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 they just lean into it? You know what I mean? Like, I think you could still get away with it right now. This is probably the best time to do it. Um, but, like, when it starts really hitting the U.S. really hard, you might want to pull back on it. So if they're going to do anything, they need a strike now. I actually heard that it's hurting their business. Like, for some reason, like, people aren't wanting to drink Coronas. I predicted that, actually. It's, how stupid I mean, is well, that? You, I, I, I was telling my buddy Brandon about this. I said, here's what's going to happen. People are going to stop drinking Corona beer. I mean, not because it's horrible, <sighs> which, which it is, but because of the name. And he was like, well, I mean, people can't be that dumb. I'm like, well, I don't care about dumb. I, I'm not saying that, but you got to understand, like, so in the 80s, my mom used to <laughs> – my mom was a crazy person. So, We've heard about your mom, so we know <laughs> that she might be a little unhinged sometimes. Yeah, yeah well, no, she's she's passed, so she she was, and so um, she used to jump into every little like get rich quick scheme she could find, 
and she sold Avon and all that stuff. And one of the things she did was she sold these these weight loss bars called AIDS. And uh, they were called oh, AIDS. No. It was your aid. It was your your aid to eat, right? They're AIDS <laughs> bars. <laughs> well, I don't oh. know if you're aware of a certain disease that kind of sprung off in the early 80s. <laughs> my mom was stuck with like like a thousand dollars in like merch because she bought all. You know that classic buy and, and binge and store and stuff. So they sat in the garage. We lived off AIDS. For about a year, like she that. should just go with like a sharpie and write a P in front of it. It's like it's paid's. Get it's better paid. than paydays. It's paid's. Yeah, get paid. Get paid. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. There's something you could do with that, but I don't know. So I anticipated that the name of the disease attached to the food would affect pretty quickly. You know, just just cause. Yeah, that's that's crazy. If only um, they would name a disease after candy corn, we could end that nightmare candy. You know what I mean? Like. Or those like really bad Easter eggs that have like that candy shell and like Cadbury. inside is that like it's not the it's not Cadbury they're like they're different colored they're like uh, like Easter egg colors or Easter colors like the pastels but inside is like this like white marshmallowy like gross substance it's it's gross they're, those are good oh dude I hate those things yeah, yeah I'd probably hate them now but I remember as a kid just because you could like tear you could like, chew it it was like super tough oh. Yeah, those are always like I felt like those were like uh, the poor kid Easter eggs, like Easter egg candies, <laughs> which we got all the time because we were poor. And so I just wanted like chocolates and stuff. And like you, I'd see all the other kids with these like big Easter bunny chocolate, and I'm over here with these like really cheap dollar store like Easter yeah, egg candy. But their Easter egg bunnies were fucking hollow. You know what I mean? There was nothing in them. So if I'll you take- if you had like the rich parents, man, they'd get you the full like you know the full Monty. Yeah, well, hey, you know, speaking of fun candy, I was just at the uh, World Market. You have a World Market out where you live? Do you have that? We there was one uh, in Maryland that was really close to us. There's probably one in Philly somewhere, but we haven't been to one out this way yet. Yeah, you know, it's like I a fun them. little world store, but they sell, you know, Fun Dip. Remember that candy, Fun Dip? Oh yeah, they have a Fun Dip knockoff that's Bob Ross. So it's got the three no different way. colors you can paint. Yeah, it's got a Bob Ross Fun Dip. It's so if you go to World Market, it's in the aisle. You know, you got to go like around an aisle. It's got and they put all that little tchotchke stuff up there to try and trick mm-hmm. you. It's they got a Bob Ross Fun Dip candy that you can paint. Oh, that's awesome! With colors and with your mouth. I don't or in your mouth. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's like Bob Ross is in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. So hey, Mega Man. <laughs> Um, let's get into, uh, some magazine update stuff because issue nine is, is rolling at this point. We're, we're almost at the finish line. Uh, you've started work on the cover and you're already probably, uh, regretting going into so much detail with the, uh, with the art, right? About that Bob Ross candy. Like, <laughs> I was like, you know, we're having a good time, man. Why'd you have to ring up the magazine? I know, uh, I know. <laughs> I, I love the magazine, man. Like we're, we're we're every day I post stuff, we win over someone who wasn't mm-hmm. giving us a, a chance. There was some some ex game fan alumni who finally were like, you know, I've been meaning to check that out, but I put the magazine in front of them on Twitter, and I'm like, the soul still burns with game fan love, you know. They, they couldn't <laughs> deny it, you know, because they were all like praising the old layouts of game fan. And I'm like, here we go, you know. So yep. that that was a fun win. Uh, the cover art's coming along. So we're doing a virtual on cover, and uh, 
it's got the main Temjin, I think his name is, you know, like Temjin, yeah. the main robot. And then it's got the, I can't remember the other fucking names, man. So if you know them, correct me. But it's I don't, dude. The female heart robot, the bubblegum one. It's going to mm-hmm. have one of the bulkier dudes, and then this one dude that has an Uzi and a knife. It's, like, it's going to have camo bots, what I call them. I don't fucking know their names. So, um, Sounds good to me. Uh, the robot dude. I was Meanwhile, like, some uh, big uh, virtual on fans are just screaming at us. They're raging. Well, if they can fucking draw what I drew, then they can correct me. You know what I mean? Like, it's easier to remember the name than to develop the 20 years of fucking talent it took to be able to draw this shit from scratch. So it's not like, look, man, when it comes to these kinds of details, what most artists do is find a CGI render and then just redraw it. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't do what I do, where you look at the CGI render, then you go and create your own poses that have as much detail as the CGI fucking render. While, while still putting on your own spin, like it's still my design of that robot it's not a one-to-one so um it's complicated like the temjin alone took me somewhere between nine and twelve hours like i don't know i've lost track so <sighs> i've already got the girl robot blobbed in it's this way i draw so she's gonna get final lines this week and then i gotta draw the other two robots and they're gonna be a little looser but it's gonna look nice when it's colored because it'll probably focal point um and i'm hoping to have the colors done this weekend possibly middle next week and then i'm done with the issue so sweet yeah the um we've pretty much done with the uh the actual layout for the the hotter snot uh as well and that looks really really good um the the design of of snot uh or i guess we named him scotty mo which uh we were oh, calling S- snot for... snotty mo his name is snotty mo I, I said scotty mo um which we probably should have said scotty's not here because he's uh he's feeling under, under the weather um, he might no. have the coronavirus. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I really, really dig uh, Snotty Mo's design, man. It, it it looks like something you would have seen from a 16-bit, like, uh, you know, platformer or something back in the day. Uh, just something out of that. and Or maybe like a Maniac Mansion or just something like that. It just looks really, really cool. I, I'm really digging his design. I think people are going to love it. Uh, and we're we're looking to give them some really cool uh, personalities that will be kind of felt throughout the magazine um, as we continue to kind of explore these characters and find new ways to kind of uh, uh, sprinkle them throughout the magazine and stuff. So I think people are really going to dig those characters. Well, we had been talking for a while about doing some kind of comic in the magazine, and I developed the whole thing. But the more I've thought about it, Chris, and I haven't talked to you about this, so this is all fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um is a comic would take people out of the magazine. Mm-hmm. I think the better thing to do is to create characters and have them run through the reviews and articles. And instead of captions, we can put the characters in there. Maybe sometimes let the characters yep. fucking argue with us about like trying to make the characters more a part of the magazine. Cause I, when I was, when I was first doing game cave as like a video game magazine, this project I have called game cave, I was making this one part was going to be a game magazine and the other part of comic. And they were separate, sort of. But people, I would constantly get this whole, like, I love the art, looks great, but I only want the comic. Or some people are like, I only want the mm-hmm. game magazine. So I think the smarter thing is to take these characters and continue to work them. And and I have more different characters we can put in there, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then every issue, just sort of, like, layer in some new characters and develop a voice. And we could start to infuse that comic stuff into the actual game magazine versus a separate thing that, you know, stands apart 
from. Does that make sense? Does that make? Oh, it does to me for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just going to continue to give Mega Visions just this crazy identity uh, that's wholly unlike any other game magazine. Blame I think me. there's ever been. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that, man. Um, because I want, I want it to be something unique and and different, and not just a retread of everything else that everyone else has done, and then what every other indie game magazines doing today i I don't want to go down that path i want to do something different and uh if it doesn't work that's fine we did something unique and different but um i everyone who sees it everyone who looks at the magazine uh to include everyone i talked to at pax east um loves it man um they were really blown away uh and so i could talk more about that later but um We'll put out a a post on on Patreon this week just to give everyone the the latest updates because uh, I know uh, there are some of our uh, patrons who don't usually listen to the podcast, which is cool. Uh, but we want to keep them all updated uh, on that. So um, that's our update this week on the magazine. Let's get into some PAX East talk now. Um, so, like we said uh, at the top of the show. Sony and CD Projekt Red and a few others, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, uh, pulled out uh, from the show. And I was kind of bummed, not necessarily Sony, um, but CD Projekt Red hurt because I was super excited for Cyberpunk uh, to, to, to try to get my hands on that, to, to see it up close. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Uh, so that one hurt, man. Um, I don't know. Have you have you been to a PAX before? No, I, only the thing I remember about PAX, um, other than my friends were always trying to get me to go. I I could I was <laughs> well, I was live. I mean, I've li- I used to be based out of San Diego, and I live in Idaho. I'm I'm closer to the PAX in Seattle, uh, but I just remember years ago when it started, like there was just like cases of Monster Drink all over the floor. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember those. I don't know why, man. Like the weirdest fucking images get stuck in your head sometimes. Mm-hmm. So every time someone says PAX, I'm like, do they still have all that monster energy drink just lying <laughs> around on the floor and shit? Like, <laughs> Thankfully, there wasn't any it, monster energy it, drinks. This it time. reminded me of um, when I came back from the Army. and When I got out of the Army in 2001, I went to Comic-Con, which was my favorite thing to do as a kid, in San Diego. And they had uh, an Xbox, the original Xbox, like a demo kit set up. Oh, nice. And, but it was like in this, like, you know those tents that are for outdoors in like beer festivals yep. and shit. I know exactly what you're talking about. That kind of tent indoors. You know what? I'm, oh, what? Yeah, and it was like, and there were like these like beanbag gamer chair kind of things lying around, and they were just like, just sit back, enjoy the controller. And the controller was like the size of like three whoppers. You know, <laughs> and the I Duke. Just, <laughs> the Duke. It was my first chance <laughs> to use the Duke. Was at Comic Con under this pup tent. And they were just like, yeah, man, how you feel? I'm like, this is fucking weird. You know, like, I remember playing the PlayStation at Comic-Con back in the 96, 97. But this was like, this. I just remember the Xbox event was like, do you guys even know how this works? Like, this a pup thing? Mm. Like, a beer? Like, do you, where's the beer? Like, <laughs> so, uh, this is an odd parallel comment. But, uh, yeah, so that's how I, I think PAX kind of reminded me of that. I've been wanting to go, but, um, look... I think we went to too many games uh, as Mega Visions, and when we go mm-hmm. as like that, I'm mostly a sit back and do business guy. When we, we went to E3, same thing it was mostly business. At PAX, it's really you're just there 
more in a fan capacity. I mean, you're there with Mega Visions, but you're there more as like a fan capacity, right? So yeah, so it's 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 definitely different because for me, I was uh, I was in full on like journalist mode when I was there. So I was going looking to get interviews with people, uh, looking to play as many games as I could to to write like preview articles and that type of stuff for the website. So I was I wasn't necessarily like going and you know obviously we didn't have a booth there like we have at you know too many games and stuff. Um so it was a different you know type of environment for me uh or I guess mindset. Um and I I really enjoyed it because of that uh but you're right like it's it's PAX East is 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 a completely different type of show anyway. It's like it's more industry focused uh somewhat similar to E3. Um, but obviously there's not, uh, you know, any big, you know, like, uh, press conferences and things like that, that you traditionally get at E3, but there are still, you know, like AAA companies that are there showing their latest games, uh, to the public. I have the hardest uh, time so- playing demos on the show floors. I, 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 mm-hmm. I used to hear some journalists complain about this when I was at play and I was like, why are you, I would love to go to E3 and play until I went and I'm like, oh, now I get it. You know, because one, there's like a noise factor, and I think oh, now yeah. they, everyone gives you headphones, and then I get all weirded out. Like, where are these headphones been? I've seen some of these people around con, mm-hmm. you know? um, especially now. Yeah, like these these days. And then sometimes you get that guy who like has to stand over your shoulder while you play. And he's like, "So how you like that? How's that feel?" Oh, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like you ever go to a restaurant and you get the waiter who just has to ask you the second you get your food, "How is it?" You're like, "Fucking, I'm just trying to fucking pray before I eat." And like, I don't know what the problem is. So, um, I found that with demos, like when we did the Polymega demo at E3, that was nice because they just let you play the system mm-hmm. and fucking watched. There was no big deal. I found VR demos are nice because when you put on the VR shit, you're nowhere near anybody. You know what I mean? You're like, you're in your own world. Uh, did you, was the demo experience all right or was it like super chaotic? So, it was a little bit of both because there were, um, there were, situations where i went to play a game and they did have uh headphones and so i was able to really get into it because you're kind of tuning everything out and there's no one there that can like sit there talking to you i definitely prefer it like that but there were also a lot of other situations where there's just so much stuff going around you it's really hard to just kind of focus in on the game and you know as you're as you're playing a game to write on it like you're trying to absorb as much of it as you can and try to remember it because um oftentimes you know you obviously can't just stop and and write down your notes like you can if you're reviewing a game at home and so when you have a situation where like pax east and there's all this stuff going on around you and let alone there's a pr person sitting right by your side talking to you it can be really hard to to uh you know just retain information plus there's also just the added pressure of playing in front of people and so you don't want to look like a scrub who's never played a video game before so if you're starting to like die just play like really crap you're like man these people they they don't think i'm a real journalist or whatever a game journalist if i can't even play this game so there's a little <laughs> bit of that going on um i got clowned. Overall- hold on i got clowned so one of the games i was really looking forward to back in 2010 or 11 i, I can't remember which i think it was 10 was Catherine. You remember that game? Yeah, yeah. That's a good game. So it was so visually stunning to me when I saw the trailer. I was like, I have to play that game. And so the, I was working at, at Game Fam 
and Dave Halverson did not want to go to E3 because he's like I'm I'm you know <laughs> he's one of those guys. So he's like he I went in lieu of Dave and got to do all the Dave shit and um I played the Catherine demo and that fucking dude was clowning because like I was expecting there to be like a third person game and then you get to the cube thing where you gotta go up these cubes and it's this yeah. weird fucking puzzler and I'm like what the fuck is and it I was fucking horrible at it. I never liked that game Intelligent Cube on the playstation one you remember that game and yep. i was like i'm stuck playing intelligent cube with the cell shit fuck what does this ah and the fucking dude was like you suck bro and i'm like oh, man. For, for real for real dude you're really gonna fucking do this you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious because you know what it's it's funny i've i almost kind of like that <laughs> because most of the time you have pr people that are like you know like they they want to try to you know, appease you or, you know, like, you like make sure you have a good experience, but that guy's just like, no, man, I'm just going to call you out. But yeah, I'm making him sound way more charismatic than he was, you know, like if it was like a snarky Corey Feldman type, I'd be like, all right, you know what I mean? It's kind of fucked up, but it's funny. Like Mm -hmm. he was punking me out, but he was being like a, I got that, that, that E3, I got dicked by him. And at the time, Nintendo was still hiring like random booth babes to demo the oh, units so they had um what was that skyward sword demo was up right mm-hmm. and, again that's is that a 2010 or 11 i can't remember but um so it was before the game came out and they had various parts of the game in demo form so it wasn't the whole game it was like various parts of the game and i gotta tell you chris one of the fucking mechanics in games i cannot stand is when in the middle of a game you then have to like race or be chased by an enemy out of nowhere like if you remember like jack okay. 3 you'd be playing jack 3 like this was, i love this this is amazing and then all of a sudden now you gotta fucking like race for fucking items in the, t- in the mm-hmm. town and shit and it's like you gotta keep doing it over and over and over and it's usually games that aren't based around racing like at least grand theft auto has a racing component to it well in skyward sword i could not wait to try this because i wanted to try the motion controller and see where it was at and they first demo out it's this fucking eagle bird thing that you gotta chase and beat it you know and the motion controls weren't working right i'm like this fucking she's like oh you've never played a zelda game before and i'm like how you know what i mean like i was like well, how old are you like yeah <laughs> you never played a zelda game like, you know? oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah i know i remember uh yeah i've never played a zelda game before all right fucking whatever so <laughs> did you have any before we get to the specific games did you have any demo you don't have to name it, but do you have any experiences where you're like, these fucking, this is not a good, not a good experience or not a good way to demo the game? Like, was there anything? Let me think. Um, not, not any bad experiences, but I, I did have one really good experience that I think every other developer needs to take note of uh, and, and do this at their booth. Everyone should be doing this. So uh, I went and played this game called Panzer Paladin. Which I'd never heard of before. I have been following um, and, that on Twitter. Th- dude, these dudes are super cool. Um, I man, I have the guy's card around here. Um, yeah, but they're he, way forward. Way forward's publishing that, right? Uh, uh, no, no, I no, mean the guys at and... Yacht Games, the guys who did um, Shovel Knight. Yeah, okay, they're, they're publishing um, it. Yeah. Maybe I think they work kind of close to the way forward area, but um, maybe anyway. Maybe. So the uh, the dude I was talking to knew all about Mega Visions. He was uh. He was actually said that they got really excited when um, we scheduled the appointment with him because he's uh, he's kind of like the big Sega guy in the office, whereas uh, pretty much most of the other staff are Nintendo people. 
Um, and so he, he was telling me that he tries to, like, sprinkle in Sega, like, stuff in the games when he can, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, uh, before we got started with the, the actual game, they actually had uh, capture devices attached to the game with USB thumb drives that they put in for every uh, media member so you could record your gameplay and then take it with you and then you could, you know, do what you want with it. You know, like if, you, if you're a YouTuber, you have direct feed uh, game play footage right there for you. Whereas um, all the other booths, you just played the game. You might be able to get some like off screen uh, footage with your phone or, you know, if you have a, a decent camera, you could get that as well. But it's just it's not as good as that direct feed. And so that I was super impressed by that. I was like, man, these dudes are are on it that's that's pretty pretty awesome and uh and they actually had like one of the funniest um like pamphlets uh there as well it was just it was, it was pretty funny i have to scan it and show you guys later yeah uh, but... so they're with tribute games and they did mercenary kings that's that's what i'm thinking of so mm. yeah they're super fucking awesome dude it's like a cross between zelda 2 and blaster master panzer paladin right like yes yeah uh heavy uh blaster master vibes and uh i'll get into it um a little bit uh later but that that game's good um i'll just say this uh i played mostly indie games <laughs> while i was there uh no just because that, man no. no 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 dude i'm i i i i the reason the biggest reason why is uh we just didn't get uh a lot of opportunities to schedule stuff with like the bigger uh, developers and honestly that's really not our stick anyway you know like nope. sega's not there why do we care um the biggest uh game uh that or developer that i uh went and visited was platinum games who had wonderful 101 and that was actually the very first game i played uh so you're probably aware but they announced the wonderful 101 uh remaster on kickstarter yeah. and yeah and they have it uh they had it it was attached to the uh, it was like on the other side of the nintendo booth so i don't know if it was like officially part of the nintendo booth or if platinum games kind of had their own thing uh but they were running all on uh switches which was really cool because that's really the the device i want to see how well it runs on because obviously we know like a, the ps4 and the xbox one is going to be able to push and a Wii U game to its, you know, like limits. Like there's, it's going to run it fine. But I was oh, really on. interested to see. Push it to the limits. Do, 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 yeah. Right, right. right. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to see how it was going to look and play on the Switch. And I was actually really impressed. Uh, the visuals look really, really good. Uh, the it, it just pops a lot. It's just such a colorful game. Uh, and the gameplay is super, super fast. Uh, and there's so much going on on screen. There was no slowdown, uh, no nothing, man. I've, I've never played Wonderful 101, so I'll have to admit that. Uh, sure. It was just one of those games that I, w I just wasn't a huge fan of uh, the Wii U. I just I, There wasn't a lot well, on here, there. Here's the thing, though, with the Wii U, because I lived in an apartment, my it was hooked up to my main TV out in the living room, and my bedroom, my master bedroom, was like adjacent to that wall, you know, like yeah. on the opposite mm -hmm. side. So my gamepad would reach. 
So I could just sit in bed every night. That's how I fucking was able to play because I fall asleep after like about I don't know, 30, 40 minutes a game and I get tired. And I, that's, I, so I was able to play all the games that would stream to the Wii U pad uh, that way. And I beat Mario See, that, that would have, that's, that's a game changer right there because yeah. that's how everyone assumed it was going to work uh, when, you know, like it came out. I mean, it was essentially everyone thought it was going to be what the Switch is today, you know, like, right. but really the radius was like what 15 feet 20 feet or so um it, it was really weird because when it came out and i got the wii u i was like i finally get to play an hd mario game but i found myself playing it on that game pad in my bed mm-hmm. and i was like you know this is a really draw this thing is that i can just put the shit you know what i mean <laughs> so i was like i'm not i'm never even playing it on my giant screen tv i'm playing it on this little fucking pad i wish it was just that so that's that's why i pre i bought nintendo switch i pre-ordered like day one you know yeah but, so wonderful 101 had a long as i remember it and this is just off the top of my memory it had a long load time like i remember having to wait like a minute you know sometimes to like for levels to load up and shit so like what was the response time on the levels? it seemed pretty quick uh i remember it took a little bit of time like after the 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 uh the demo had completed to roll over back to the the main screen. So I don't know if that factored into some of the loading and stuff, Uh, but it was a a pretty small slice of the game. Like it was set to about 15 minutes or so. uh, So you weren't able to really get super far into the demo. Um, I assume it was probably like the full game that uh, they basically just capped it uh, a time limit on. And so uh, you started out like right at the beginning uh, and then you just kind of play some of the opening uh, like stages and things like that. So I had a lot of fun with it, uh, and it's definitely something I'm going to want to get uh, when it eventually releases. I have a feeling uh, they're saying it's uh, going to be coming out in May, so uh, going to be coming out pretty soon. And, well, I mean, I've uh, name dropped them before, but I I, uh, I pay I, I subscribe to a Patreon, uh, Liam Robertson. He's the guy who did all Unseen sixty four videos back in the yeah. day. He uh, has a lot of inside info. He's very good. And he's been covering this for a while. And he was saying way before even the he, – he actually broke the Kickstarter news 24 hours before it happened. And so he'd been saying that they have it fully working on the Switch for a while and showed it to Nintendo. But Nintendo passed on publishing it for whatever reason. So, yeah. I believe that. Bummer, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely believe that. So, um, but, why, but why do you think? I don't know a thing about how Nintendo figured. You know what I mean? Like, why would they not want to port? I mean, I get they could say, well, the game didn't sell as well, but I'm like, this, 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 your system didn't sell that well. Like, that has nothing to do with. Yeah, I mean, I think, no, like every non-Nintendo game didn't sell <laughs> that well. You know, there weren't a lot uh, of uh, non-Nintendo games that commercially had success on the Wii U. It was just be- the the attach rate for Nintendo games was so high. That's how they were able to get like million sellers on that. But everything else was fucking well, probably lucky if they hit a hundred K. Yeah. I think it's just cause they're, they're, they're more against straight ports. And like, they're all that we need something totally different about it. Like with links awakening or, you know, even um, even what was uh, HD Wind Waker had all the different lighting and shit, right? So maybe it's one of those things where they wanted more from it than the straight port. But at the same time, man, like, look, I love my Switch, but other than the indie stuff, there's not a lot of first-party stuff coming out. You know, like you get right now. I mean, you got 
Animal Crossing is is like the next big game. I don't, and I I wouldn't be able to tell you what's coming after that. That's something for one person. You know what I mean? Like they could mm-hmm. they could have a wonderful one release first party. You know what I mean? Like with all yeah. that push. But who knows? I mean, it's a bummer. I hear the gameplay is great. So you say it was you enjoyed it, right? Like, yeah, you did? yeah. Oh. Uh, it, it definitely runs really well on the Switch. It looks great. Uh, so I I don't know what like some of the technical aspects of like. You know, if it was running 1080p, 60 frames per second, I don't know that. But it definitely felt, like, smooth as butter, and it looked great. Um, so um, looking forward to that. Um, from there, I went – my next appointment was uh, at this booth uh, at – they were called uh, Whirlwind FX. And they make, uh, like, accessories for, for PC uh, games and uh, computers. And they had this – pretty interesting looking keyboard that i wanted to check out and so i mean you've seen like led keyboards it's you know like the big thing i guess right now um and every peripheral company are making their own led keyboards that light up and make all these different colors and stuff uh but these dudes are doing something like a little bit different they they're this keyboard's called the element and basically they created this like uh this proprietary software um that somehow analyzes like what's going on on screen and interprets it dynamically uh and creates different uh colors and patterns on the keyboard itself like so for instance like say you get shot and you uh take damage like it will have like a red pulse on the keyboard itself and is the keyboard gonna need an epilepsy warning like every time I go to the theater and Pokemon shows up, I get that. Yeah, it's not that crazy, <laughs> um, but it's there's just so much. It I, I, as I was watching it and as they were demoing it uh, for me, I was like really getting into it because I was like, man, there's just so many different possibilities. Um, and when you install um, the software on your computer, uh, there's an app uh, that's loaded on there that basically allows you to go in and install like game compatibility uh you know for it and it will have like um specific patterns like for the game that you're playing essentially so it's like say Fortnite like there'll be certain things that's that's happening uh in Fortnite that is patterned specifically for it to happen at certain times um and you can also customize it as well too so like if you wanted to say like whenever my character uh drinks a potion like make a, a blue pulse or something you can have it do that. Um, probably the coolest thing though is at their booth they had 20 of these keyboards like clustered together on this back wall and they were attached to a uh, a monitor that was just playing uh, various clips off YouTube Um, but it was done in such a way that it was replicating the the video on the screen and it essentially just made it a giant screen itself with these like 20 keyboards all clustered together it's fucking wild and if you had enough of those like you could essentially create a giant like tv screen out of them and they're all somehow hooked up together all through the software is pretty neat um it, it's going to retail for about a hundred bucks um which is kind of expensive for a keyboard but there's just so much uh like cool stuff you could do with it um if you you know decide you want to jump into like some of the html coding things like that 
it was pretty neat. Um, probably one of the coolest pieces of tech that I saw at the show. Um, and um, they ended up, they, they gave us uh, a review copy of it. And so I'm going to actually, I haven't had even a chance to do anything with it yet, but uh, the kids thought it was really cool. So I'm going to play with that later on this week and, and see how that goes and uh, maybe put a video out. I won't lie, Chris. You say I'm going to the PC peripheral booth at a convention and I immediately Uh think, where the fuck is the copy stand? So I don't have to be there for that. Cause like, (laughs) like I'm like, you see me when, when we go to these, these conventions, I'm there for games only. Like, ah, I remember you, it almost was like, like a dad trying to drag a little kid to the fucking museum when you want to go see the Pauly Mega. And I'm like, fucking the, and it's a you retro love it, right? seat. I'm, I'm, I, I admit when I'm wrong, right? <laughs> so this is one of those things where you're like, they got these keyboards and like they light up and I'm like, fucking, ah, I don't like, where they give away free food? Where's the food? I don't want to go to the food. I want to like <laughs> anything but this shit. That being, it was, that oh, being, ahead, well, I was saying, that being said, like, um, it definitely sounds like something that when you explain it, you know, it's one thing, but when you see it, it's another, right? Absolutely. You, it, to, to see like what it could do with those like clusters. I was, I was blown away. I, he asked me, he's like, what, um, he's like, what, what's your favorite game that you've seen so far or that you want to play here at PAX East? And so I was like, Streets of Rage 4. And he's like, okay. So we went over there, typed in Streets of Rage 4, um, played a YouTube video and it was immediately synced to, um, the video that was, you know, the Streets of Rage 4 trailer. And you could actually just look at the keyboards and you're seeing the damn Streets of Rage 4 trailer playing just on the uh, LED uh, keyboards like that were emitting uh, the light. So it was just, it was pretty crazy. And there's a lot of different uh, applications, I guess, you could, you know, do with this. Um, but it's, if you're going to get, if you're one of those people, and I'm really, I'm not one of them. Like this, I'm probably not the target audience for this either, like you. Um, but if you are someone who's into that sort of thing, um, and into the kind of like jazzing up your, your PC setup, this is really cool. And I think people, when they see this, they're going to be into it. Um, and especially if you're going to pay the price for an led keyboard anyway, this is something that's probably around the same price point as a lot of those, but seems like it could do a lot more than your standard led keyboard that just like changes colors and stuff. This is all dynamic and is interpreting uh, what's going on on screen and can do so much other cool shit uh, as well. So um, I think it's it's pretty neat. And just to be clear, you are not being paid to say all that, right? I'm not oh. being paid one you know, cent. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you this. Sounds like an ad. Like. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm also uh, – dude, there's – if you think that's bad, just wait until I get into Streets of Rage 4 um, because there's – you know, it's weird, like – I I don't think I played a bad game. Um, I didn't play a game where I was like, oh, I, I don't want to play this game anymore. There were some games where I was like, you know, like, I don't know if I would continue playing it or I'd want to maybe buy it. But there was no game that I sat down and played um, that I was just like, I don't like this game. And probably some of that, too, is just like I would seek out the games that look like I would like, I guess, you know, so I wasn't forced to play shit that, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to play typically, but, uh, there was just so many good games on, on hand there. Um, but after that, I did go over to the dot, uh, emu booth, which they had Street Rage 4 and Windjammers 2. 
and oh my god, dude, this is this is the game, Street Trade Four. This is the entire reason why I wanted to go to PAX East this year, and I finally got to play it. And oh my god, dude, it is everything I wanted this game to be. Um, and I'll 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 say this: I when that first trailer came out and they dropped that, and I saw the the hand-drawn animations and the art style, I was like, oh, God, it looks good, but, man, like, Streets Rage is supposed to be, you know, pixel sprites, and, you know, that like, that's what that game is, and like, how are you going to go away from that? Um, and I started coming around when I saw some more gameplay video uh, released, and I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to hold off until I finally play it and see it running, like, in real time, uh, right in front of me, and I'll say this: uh, playing it, I all of my doubts were completely shattered. Like, dude, this game looks so good and plays so good. Like the the just the the just the f- number of frames of animation that the characters all have uh, is astounding. Like they just move so smoothly. Um, Lizard Cube, those dudes are like wizards, man. Like they're so good at what they do and just the level of detail, not just in the characters themselves, but in the backgrounds, like everything is just so crisp and detailed and bright. And Oh God, dude, it, it is so fucking good. Well, you know, the thing about that is, is when you get to a point, like I love pixel art, I'm a big pixel art fan, you know, and, and, um, especially, I know you tag me and stuff every day and (laughs) I love it. Everything from old school CPS three on up. But when you do get to the point of, let's say, King of Fighters, was it 13, right? Mm-hmm. Where the pixel art's so good, it almost just looks like low-res animation. Like, uh, there's yeah, a I know threshold where the average person goes, is it just in low-res? Like, they don't, they can't tell, you know what I mean? And I, I think at that point, unless you're going to keep it at the 16-bit level, or just maybe slightly above it, you know, like... So I don't know what a good example would that be like. Legend of Oasis was a good 32-bit on the Saturn. I don't know if you played that. Yeah, it was even like, that, like a people, but people could still mistake that for low-res mm-hmm. animation, right? Like, that's a good example. Yeah. Because they did the cell shade and it was super clean, you end up with the situation where it can actually hurt reviews because people will go, it's all in low-res. Like, no, it's not in low-res, you fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. So unless it, it it is, like, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, when you do some shit on purpose, right? Like if you're intentional, is what you're yeah, thinking. thank you. If unless you're intentionally making it look at a certain resolution, so you know that's pixels, right? Then right, right. you kind of need to go up at that point to an mm-hmm. actual animation style. Like spline, even if it's spline based animation, I, I, this is more keyframe animation or, or not spline. Like spline based is like um, uh, Odin Sphere and Miramasa, like right. This is more like they they, they hand draw these fucking frames, right? So, <sighs> Yeah, I right. can't imagine. I would love, to, I would love just to see like kind of like a, a making of documentary about this game. I do because I'm such a big fan. I would watch that shit. But I would love to see that process of like bringing Axel to life, frame by frame, the artist drawing it. I could watch that all day, dude. Yeah, I mean they're 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 monster or Wonder Boy game or whatever. Mm-hmm. I get the two. I'm Wonder Boy, it, uh, the Dragon Strap is the yeah, one. That was the one where you could switch switch back and forth between because they did it so well like and like everything was like a one-to-one thing you could switch on the fly like in real time between new graphics and the old 
we kind of shot our we we got was <laughs> not too long ago on one of the podcasts we we're like you know it'd be really great if you could just flip between the old version and the new version i'm like do they <laughs> fucking do yeah i played through fucking half the game you know before i mm-hmm. ran out of time to play it um but uh, I follow the guy who did the the concept. A lot of the art for that is this French artist. He does a lot of cartooning. I follow him on Instagram. I cannot remember his name. Uh, his his uh, as a as a cartoonist, it's always great when you can follow people that you're just like, I'm in awe of like what they do. You know what I mean? So right. yeah, he's yeah. super fucking good, man. Like so. Yeah, they're pretty much all like uh, Dot Emu and uh, Lizard Key were all French, okay. and I I, I want to say uh, Guard Crush. Um, so they're all kind of co-developing it. Uh, Dottie Moo's publishing it, but they're all working together uh, to to do different aspects of the game. Guard Crush Games, I want to say they're uh, Canada. Uh, they're working on the the programming uh, and that sort of thing where uh, um, Lizard Cube's doing all the art, the animation. I think Dot Emu is, um, is maybe doing uh, UI and some other stuff. Um, but anyway, so the game is like set ten years after Streets of Rage three, and there's a new threat. Um, apparently, um, Mr. X is dead, so he's not around anymore. Uh, and it the all three of the original cast are coming back. So we got Axel, we have Blaze, we have Adam, uh, and we have two newcomers in uh, Cherry Hunter, which is Adam's daughter. And uh, Floyd, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. It's like Araya, I think, um, which he is like the big bruiser, the slow plotting, powerful character that was kind of like Max Thunder. Um, but he's he also looks like Jax. And I I uh, told uh, I, I was kind of joke around with the um, the PR guy there. I was like, I'm sure you guys probably heard a lot of Jax kind of uh similarities there he's like yeah yeah we've been hearing it but he's like it wasn't intentional um so the story uh in the game goes that um he was in an accident he lost his arms and dr zan who was one of the um the playable characters in streets of Rage 3 um used his technology to re you know fit him with some cybernetic arms and um and so dr zan isn't in this game but uh uh what's his name uh, Floyd is kind of a, a blend between Max uh, and uh, Dr. Zan. So like when he punches his cybernetic arms actually extend out. So you have a very far reach with, uh, with him. So even though he's like slow, he's powerful, but can hit people from really far away. Uh, and so that was uh, pretty interesting. I got to play with both cherry uh, and Floyd on the first day, just because I wanted to see how the new characters felt. And Cherry is like really the kind of the the agile, the quick character, kind of like Skate. But she's the only one who can run. So if you double tap left or right, she can actually run. Um, which I think in Streets of Rage three, all everyone could do that. But in this one, only Cherry can. Um, and there's some new stuff that they've added, uh, like juggling in the air. So if like you. Um, uppercut an enemy he'll fly in the air and say if you and i were playing together uh you could hit him and juggle him up and we could kind of go back and forth tossing this dude up in the air racking up combos and you could even juggle them off the walls as well like the left or right uh, side of the screens um though instead of like flying off camera or off screen like they did in previous games um they'll just knock off the side of the wall stay in the screen and you can keep uh 
fight him. Because that was always kind of a weird thing. When you punch someone or knock them off screen, you just have to kind of wait till they come back on. You couldn't fight them. Now they kind of all stay right there. Um, and you can just do some insane combos now. It's pretty awesome. How's the music? That's the one thing, dude, <laughs> is uh, I was so excited about it, but there were no headphones. And so no. I fucking, I could, I know, man, I couldn't hear, um, I could not hear the music. It was just like, you could, you could hear that it was like, you know, like synthy, uh, techno style stuff like going on, but you just, it was just so much going on. So many people talking that you couldn't, I couldn't really get a good sense of, of the music. Um, but the, uh, the dude that was, uh, helping me, uh, the PR guy was Arnold, uh, D'Souza, um, from, uh, .emu, and he is a huge Streets of Rage fan, and he was just kind of explaining uh, to me kind of the process um, that they went through to be able to get this game, uh, you know, made and approved by Sega. Uh, and so I, I was asking, I was like, how did this happen, man? Because there are so many companies that have pitched this game to Sega, and well, they've just never been interested. Before you move up, yeah, one of them was Fighting Force. Remember that game? It was supposed to be a Streets of Rage they, game they, on the Dreamcast. Well, that's supposed, but they pitched it. I mean, that supposedly mm-hmm. means that it was going to be, and it got canceled. But yeah, they pitched it as a Streets of Rage game, and Sega was like, "Nope." And good thing they did because that game was trash. It was terrible. Um, there's, you should never even do a, like Streets of Rage a 3D Streets of Rage. Like, why? It's anyway. Um, so he was saying like they, uh, it was basically after they um, they finished um, uh, Dragon's Trap. They were sitting around thinking, like, what do they want to do next? And they said, like, always, like, from the very beginning, they always wanted to do a Street Rage 4. Um, but they, you know, through the Dragon's Trap process, they were able to build a relationship with Sega a little bit. But they'd also worked with Square, um, doing some, like, ports of Final Fantasy and things like that. Uh, and so they had that relationship. And so... Uh, the higher-ups at Sega knew that this was a well-respected company in Japan. Like, they've they've treated um, other companies' uh, IPs uh, really well, and so they created a kind of a proof of concept and went to Japan and had a meeting and showed them what they wanted to do, and they were all on board. And I was just like, it, it, he, it, he made it sound like it was super easy, but I'm sure there was a lot, you know, more to it. Did but you, did you I, drop shining force to him? Did you? Oh, dude, I did you, not. You had one job. <laughs> you had one job. You were speaking. To I, the guys. I have his card. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Lizard Cube doing a shining force. Oh, Jesus form. Christ, dude. Could you, I can only get so hard. Could you imagine? <laughs> only so hard. <laughs> only yeah. so hard. Have you seen Gurren Logan? Just play that theme song. You know what I mean? <laughs> dude, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to uh, send him a message because, uh, yeah, we did exchange cards. So uh, after Street Rage 4, if they did something like that, that would be insane. I would love I would, to see. I would give them the URL. That's yeah. what I would <laughs> shinyforce.com you're doing your part that's hilarious um but no dude uh and then okay so the first day uh i played it it was just um me and one other person so i did two player with arnod uh i finished it then we went to to windjammers 2 but then the second day i came back and i was like look i want to play it one more time uh and i want to play as one of the classic characters so i was waiting in line because um, I didn't have a an appointment that day, so I was in line. It wasn't super long, 
and then one of the PR guys came out and was like, hey, uh, are you by yourself? And I was like, yeah. And there was a group of people in front of me. There was three of them. So he's like, yeah, just come over here. Because they had a big area in the middle of their booth with a couch. And we got to play it on this giant screen. Four people, local co-op. And, dude, it was freaking insane. Like, this is the first time in Streets of Rage history that it supports four-player local co-op. Did you have the opportunity at this point to tell them they could be playing this all on keyboard screens? (laughs) <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> I should have showed him the video. I'm like, look at the, what yeah. I just did. I, yeah. I made this happen. Um, but no, dude, uh, man, it's it's crazy. There's just so much shit going on on screen. And it's 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 you don't even though there's so much going on, like you don't really it's it's not crazy and chaotic to the point that it's just mayhem and you can't see what's going on. Like you can still see everything that's happening. Uh, the the character sprites are huge. It also, like, if you remember, like, going from Streets of Rage 1 to 2, like, the character sprites got noticeably bigger. Oh, yeah. It, it's kind of like that. Streets um, of Rage was, I mean, I, I was a big fan of Final Fight and Capcom, but Streets of Rage was, like, the one time I was going, like, that's right, this fucking shit kicks the shit out of Final Fight, <laughs> like, you know? And uh, the music and the, the, spr- but the sprites on Streets of Rage 2 were phenomenal. Like, it was, like, a master... Oh. master class in like making a sequel you know mm-hmm. oh yeah it's 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 one of the i mean it's it's up for debate you know you you got people who prefer streets rage one i'm a streets rage two guy like i i love yeah. one but two is 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 my jam i probably like the music in one maybe a little bit better um but just the gameplay i think they just improved it almost in every area um and well let me tell you with is, one one was more difficult i felt but with mm-hmm. two I felt like playing it again and again with one. I was like, fucking motherfucking, you know, once you beat, you're like, well, I'm <laughs> done with that for a while. We'll come yeah. back to that later. Yep. Um, so I, I did talk to him about, uh, you know, obviously Yuzo Koshiro is coming back uh, to do the music. Um, but they also have Hideki Naganuma, who's going to be on board, uh, who, you know, is from Jet Set Radio. And uh, I can't remember. Is it is it Yoko Shimamura? She's the one that did the Street Fighter uh, soundtracks, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I know that <laughs> Bro, the I can't original remember composer. Morrison. You know what I uh, mean? Yeah. Like when we went, I know we, the... <laughs> hold on. We get together for too many games. I'm like, hey, d- good looking dude on Instagram. I can't <laughs> <Morrison>. <laughs> I'm horrible with names. It's true. So I, I always just think my favorite Marson, and you will never forget it. He told me he was in Chicago, and I get that theme to, um, what was that, Perfect Strangers? You know? Oh, <laughs> Balky? The show from, yeah, Balky. That's how I picture Marson now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Yoko uh, Shimamura, she did, uh, uh, worked on Final Fight, Street Fighter 2. She did, like, Guile's theme and Ken, and, uh, and dude, she's awesome. They got her doing this, too. And, uh uh um the pr guy that was working with me he's like i'm a competitive street fighter dude also and he's like to be able to get like this cast of composers that are like legendary uh he's like it it, i still like play the game i still can't believe that all of these people are like doing you know are part of this game that we're making um and it's it's cool because you could sense 
uh, you could sense the genuine like excitement that he had for this game. If only I could hear it, you know, like, <laughs> and you, you didn't want to tell him, you know, you know, you got, they put all this effort in the booth and I can't hear any of the fucking music. Like, yeah, <laughs> they did. a They did an excellent job. I just I, I would have liked if they had some some headphones. That way I could have uh, heard it a little bit better. Um, but, dude, this game is going to be amazing. Like. I think it's going to be one of the, the few re, remasters and sequels that do that they just blow everything else out of the water like this is going to be the best game in the series and it's just pure it's it's perfect in in every way and i i just can't wait to, to play the final version um i did ask him a few questions that um i wanted some answers to like for instance like are there going to be un- any unlockable characters like rue from Street rage 3 um will there be any alternate endings like we uh, got in uh i think two and three had alternate endings and then also branching paths uh but he said will, no to will will, will knuckles be playable and will they let it be called <laughs> burning knuckles for right burning, burning knuckles. knuckles that's <laughs> hilarious <laughs> right? right i know i've been waiting 30 years to tell that joke <laughs> uh but so he said no um that they're they're not going to be doing any of those type of things um but I still have a feeling that there's going to be some surprises in store. And so they're not, you know, they weren't ready to, to talk about it or anything yet. But uh, I, I, I think they have some tricks up their sleeve. And this game's going to be coming pretty soon, man. They're saying spring. And this game is super polished. Like, there was not, it wasn't one of those things where you could say, like, hey, it looks good. It plays well, but it's still a little rough around the edges. This is is like just super crisp and amazing and dude that's awesome yeah i, I told you this is going to sound like another commercial uh no, it's, 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 in, it's in the it's in my top you know three or five games for this year just because i'm i'm keeping one open in case some shit gets announced i didn't know i mean second yeah. two is at the top and this is like two or three you know like um the I, really shitty thing about psychonauts 2 is i heard um that uh so you had to go get like tokens from somewhere just to be able to go in and watch the demo of it um so it wasn't playable you could watch a demo but apparently it was the demo is from an old like build that was shown like months ago at previous uh shows and you could watch it on youtube it's like on youtube the demo that they were doing is on youtube and so you, you didn't even have to waste your time with that shit. That was ridiculous. To be fair, they're a small crew, you know? So one of two things. Either A, they just didn't want to build a brand new build, you know what I mean, for packs, which is understandable given the size. Or B, it ain't coming out this year, you know? Right, and that's fine. And I, I get that. But if, if I'm a journalist and I'm like, look, I have a very limited time of, of you know, games that I could go and cover and report on, and if I've already seen that, and I, I didn't know, like, going into it, that they're just going to show old demo footage, I would be pissed. I'd be like, yeah, I just wasted my time. Yeah, but you still get to play it, though. I mean, I mean it's not you watching. You did. We're not playing it. You were oh, watching them okay, play it. Okay. Yeah, fuck that. So, look, I mean, I, like I said, it's it's still number one up there. Final Fantasy VII Remake, probably two. And then I'd say Street to Rage Four is probably number three for me right now. Yeah. Like, that's, that's my excitement 
right now. And, and look, there's probably some other fucking shit that people are like, you forgot my game. And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess. But um, off the top of my head, those are the three that I'm really excited about. So I'm glad to hear that Shining Forest 4 is, uh, I mean, Shining Forest 4. <laughs> Street Rage 4. It. God make damn. It right? We're going to will I, this thing. You should tell existence. them you already made a fourth game. Make another fourth game. Ooh, dude, this too good. Uh, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait. W- Monster, w- it was Dragon's Trap. Was that three or four? Uh, fuck, I know, man. Like, <laughs> could, could, it was the first that... one I never played, so I I never got to play <laughs> that on the on the Master System. I only got to play. Oh, Alex it was Kid. three. It was Wonder Boy three. Yeah, on the Master System, Shit. I only got to play uh, Alex Kid, Space Harrier, uh, Zaxxon 3D. Um, and the Fantasy Star was the only game okay. I got to play on Master System. Well, shit, man. Yeah, I mean, you played the the, the the good ones, so Not lucky, uh, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna play, you know, a handful of ones, those are the ones you want to do for sure. Um, oh, you you mentioned Final Fantasy VII, which was really funny because that had one of the longest lines outside of the Nintendo booth, you know, because that was freaking Animal Crossing and how it was, was it how insane. was the, the Animal Crossing booth that got all the attention oh the dude it was fucking adorable like it was the most like heartwarming thing ever they had uh like Isabel was there Tom Nook was there um they basically recreated like the like little village town square area whatever with the little waterfalls and the trees with the apples it was amazing man um I mean it's Dude, when Nintendo does a booth, they do it so well. Like, where they want to really, um, you know, put some character into it. Uh, they're, I want to say, like, E3 a couple years ago, it was just kind of your standard booth. There wasn't, like, really any any big, uh, like, sets, set pieces or anything like that there. Um, no, they had that Link's Awakening diorama that was pretty fucking dope. And then... Um, I, is that the same one that's like set in the in the Nintendo World Store in New York yeah, now? Yeah, that was dope. And then okay. when the Skyward Sword setup was pretty awesome back in 2010 or 11 because uh, they had the giant birds and all the stuff put everywhere. It oh, was, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. was. Yeah. Really... I wasn't there for that, but I remember seeing it. Um, but anyway, so Final Fantasy VII, uh, they had very long uh, lines to play the demo. And I just think it's funny that people <laughs> waited so long to be able to play the demo, um, which I'm sure they <laughs> love. But then literally this morning, they drop the demo on the PlayStation Store. <laughs> so you can download it and play the same demo that everyone else did uh, over the weekend uh, at PAX East, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, I mean, someone had to table flip, right? Like some dude who spent like nine hours in line waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another reason why I was like, look, I don't have appointments to these big companies, and I'm not going to waste all of my time waiting in line. Like, F that. Like, I, I waited in line for Wonderful 101 for maybe 20 minutes, which at that point I was, like, already getting tired of waiting around. Well, um, especially if it's, like, a game you know you're going to buy probably down the way. Like, Yeah. You know, like, like if I'm at, like if I'm at, if I'm at an E3 or something like that, and they're like, oh, wow, Link's Awakening, Rob. You know, you want, I'm, I'm not waiting in line for that fucking, I'm going to buy that fucking game. Like, I guarantee you I'm buying that fucking game. So I don't see the point mm-hmm. in, in that case. Now, if it were maybe, like, I stood in line for the Wii U to play the demos for Wii U because I wanted to know what it felt like to play the controller and shit at the time, you know. So I spent yeah, that a couple makes hours sense. in line for that, you know. But 
Then there was these things like the PS Vita when that they had that first on the floor with Uncharted. And I remember like people were like, hey man, want to stay in the line? And I'm like, no fucking way am I sitting in the line for the fucking Vita. Like I'm never gonna own that fucking system. So Oh man, the Vita's amazing. Yeah, but I, I was like, I'm never buying it. Like I just know I'm I'm done with my PSPs, so you know, I'm I'm out. I'm out. Um, okay. But we waited did we wait did we wait in line for anything at E three? <sighs> not really. Not really. We really did it. I don't think. Um, I think Morrison waited in line for a little bit to take some photos with that Resident Evil set, oh, where he the, got the, the, car, the car. Yeah, the and they car. had the zombies and stuff. But that, that outside Resident of that, Evil Two line was crazy because I'm like, it's the same game. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I figured they were all buying Resident Evil Two anyway, so I didn't fully understand the wait. Um, you get people that are just excited about a game, and they'll fucking wait all damn day. So, so did um, you on, play any Nintendo stuff, or were you just like, ah, am I going to buy it or not interested? Like the, the the only thing that was close to Nintendo I played was Wonderful One Hundred One. Like I, honestly, like the the lines were so long in the Nintendo booth, I it was not worth it to me because I like I, like you were saying, I know I'm going to buy Animal Crossing. It comes out like next this month. I don't need to spend five hours waiting in line to play a short demo of it. So, all right. Okay, so cool. let's just go moving down the list uh, with the packs. Okay. Um, Sunday, I hear, I feel bad because I was like on Twitter and I'm like, just like adding you to games that are at packs, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that con rush where you're running across con. I remember, you remember Brian Crescente used to run Kotaku? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched know. him once run his fucking ass off at E three, and I just sat there laughing like this is. Funny. Oh god, you know. So like, <laughs> like, how many games did you play Sunday? Like, you think? Uh, you let did? me count: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, I have eight games on the list. Uh, oh, nine, nine, because I played Cloudpunk also. Um, I think Cloudpunk was the last game I played. Um, so I started, dude. I started with this game called Infernax. And I don't know if you've seen that. Have you have you seen that at all yet? Mm. It is this okay. Imagine if you take Castlevania two, Legend of Zelda two, and mix in some like Lovecraftian horror. Oh yeah, I did see that. I, I added you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and but it was going it was going right to left. I think the gameplay when I saw the level, it was going like right to left. But it had that Simon's Quest kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, and so it's 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 very like, like if it's 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 a lot like Castlevania two, where you have like the day night cycle, um, and a lot of like the the whip, the gameplay, um, but it also has like item management, like Zelda two, uh, and other uh, interesting things. But the dudes there, man, are really cool. It's they're called Berserk Studio, uh. Super, super cool dudes. They're, uh, I think, based up in Quebec or Montreal. Um, and this game is fucking amazing, man. Like, it's it's super, super grotesque, like, over the top. There's a, one of the cool things about it is there's a, uh, oh, shit, I can't, I don't know the, the name, but you basically have different points in the game where you choose your fate, where you can go down the light path or the dark path. And depending on what you do, uh, you gain different spells that are, like, uh, specific to, like, the Dark Knight. Or you can get one where you become a paladin and you have um, other type of spells. 
And so like the first uh, in the first like area, you meet this uh, like villager that looks like he's um, turning into a zombie or something. And you get the choice between you either slay him or you can pray for him to try to like release him from like the, the demonic, you know, bonds that have him. And so I just chose to slay and you got this giant mace and you just crush his head and there's just blood and guts that splatter. It's insane. Um, the cinematics in it uh, remind me a lot of like uh, Ninja Gaiden. You remember that? Like in between oh, yeah, levels no, no, and no, stuff. The, yeah, the Ninja Gaiden cutscenes are still. Oh, I, I think people really un- underestimate how effective they are. I, I on a on a personal note, I I sat down. What was it January or November? Somewhere around the Christmas vacation. And just rewatch all of the Ninja Gaiden cutscenes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're so good. And I was like, man, this stuff is so effective. Like how they got around the the sprite limitations with the giant faces and the limited animation and the dialogue. Like, it's it is really effective. You know, I was blown away when I saw that for the first time. I I just I had never seen something like that in a video game. I just thought it was amazing. Um, but this game's been in development like for four or five years. They basically said it's kind of like their passion project where they've been they work on kind of like in their spare time. So I think this was one of the first times they had actually um, like shown it, you know, at uh, you know had a booth for the game. Um, and I really enjoyed what I played from it, man. The combat's like really crisp. Uh, like I said, just there's lots of gore. So if you're a fan of like you know like just really bloody horror games and, and movies. You're going to be right at home here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. And uh, I'm supposed to be getting uh, the PAX demo of it. It's interesting because a lot of people did not like Zelda 2. And a lot of people right. did not like Simon's Quest. But if you put them together, people like it. Like it's That's a, the it's thing, a... <laughs> man. They, they take, they take the, they, the elements of those games that are cool <laughs> and are good. Uh, and let's play a little game. Works. Let's take two games we don't like. Okay, hold on. I'll start off. Wet Tricks and Donkey Kong 64. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm, um, just, I'm just letting you know. You know, <laughs> I think they may be on to something. Oh, God. Um, from there, I went uh, over to Mega Cat Studios. And so they're the ones, uh, they're based in Pittsburgh. They're really cool guys. Um, they've been doing all sorts of, of work on, on the Genesis and, and all sorts of different uh, releases. Um, they had a game that uh, it's called Lethal Wedding uh, for the Genesis. And it's a, just a crazy concept. It's basically um, they're taking the idea of Lethal Weapon, right. but it's with a bride mm-hmm. and her mother-in-law where on her, her wedding day, um, her wedding gets like invaded by these uh, like criminal clowns, and right, so the yeah, mom yeah. and the bride go out and just start shooting the shit out of all these clowns, and you're just basically there to take down <laughs> this like clown criminal Perfect. syndicate. It's yeah. wacky as shit, yeah. but the gameplay is a lot like um, uh, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, which is Shocking. nuts. Shocking you played this game. But, dude, I didn't know. I had no idea. I just went over there because I had an appointment with them, and they sat me down and started taking me through these games. Um, and uh, I was talking to the guy. I'm like, dude, you will not believe this, but I promise you, like, we've had conversations 
at, at Mega Visions. Like, why aren't there other, like, Zombies Ate My Neighbors type of games out there coming out today? Uh, because that would be amazing. And he's like, dude, that's the exact reason why we made this game, is because we love Zombies Ate My Neighbors. No one is doing anything like that. And we just wanted to do something crazy um, and, you know, like a, with a wacky premise, but have the gameplay play really well. Um, and so the the game, it's not like the best looking game, um, but the controls and the gameplay is a lot of fun. Uh, and I I'm, I'm actually want to play it. <laughs> so um, I got a copy of that that they uh, let me have. Um, in addition to that, there's another game called Tanzer. Oh, kind of like two, I got another one. Two games that we hate that could make a great game when combined together. You ready for it? Uh oh. Fester's Quest. Oh shit. War Guides. Oh my uh-huh, god. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. What about um, Rise of the Robots? Uh huh. Rise of the Robots. And uh, fuck. Stunt Race FX. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't think of another one, but uh, See, Rise of the Robots is definitely up there. The trick to nostalgia is to not make the thing you love; is to take the two things you hate the most. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll. This, we're, we're taking a long time, but um, I'll, I'll just quickly go down a couple of other games that um, I played that I thought were really good. Um, there's another one called Thirty XX. Um, and it's a sequel to a game that this company did called 20XX, and it's like a Mega Man X-style game, right? Um, but this one is interesting because you can play two players simultaneously, um, and as you move away from each other on the stage, the screen pulls back to the point of, like, where um, if you're on either end of the stage, like, you can, like barely see like your your characters and until you get closer together and it, it, everything starts getting bigger um the gameplay is crazy you're gonna die a lot in it um but in addition to uh like all, all the Mega Man x like elements and, and things like that you can actually like stack your powers um that you get and so you pick up power-ups and it won't replace, like, so you get one, like, maybe it uh, upgrades your arms or something, and you can, like, sh- have a more powerful shot and everything. You can keep getting more and more and become the super badass, uh, like, android. And it's just, it, it makes for some, like, really insane combinations. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to to playing more of, of that. I, I didn't get as much time with it as I wanted to, but um, 30XX is, is going to be really cool. Um, and the other one I wanted to talk about was Cloud Punk. And I think you actually tagged me in this a while back. Yeah. Um, and it, it has a really interesting vibe to it. Uh, first off, it's like a cyberpunk aesthetic. So that immediately like hooks me in. Cyberpunk 2077 wasn't there, but Cloud Punk was there to kind of keep the uh, the Blade uh, Runner fans, uh, you know, uh, entertained. But it's... It's like a cyberpunk voxel adventure game. It's really interesting. Um, and what you do is you play as this girl who's who uh, drives a like a hover vehicle, like you know, like the the vehicles in Blade Runner. Um, but what you're doing is you're essentially going just from point A to point B, picking up packages and delivering them to where they're supposed to go. Um, but the city that you're in is this like is this giant floating city in the sky. 
and so you're just you can move all around the city um navigating your your vehicle um and it's like the the controls are really floaty uh and they take a lot of getting used to uh but just dude like the the music uh in the game is like really synthy and like just super chill like it puts you in this like really cool mood and this was the game that i was saying that did have the headphones which was really important and it was a really good move on the developer's part because the music is such a core part of of, of what this game's doing i think um and so it puts you in like a really cool place and i sat down with this game for probably about 30 minutes i just played it straight and um and it's neat. Like, so when you go to like your location, you have to find an area to park. So you like lower your, your hover car, you park it, and then your, your character actually gets out and you can run around and you deliver the package and stuff. So it's like a super chill game. I was asking, I was talking to the developer afterwards a little bit. I'm like, so, um, so like, are there any other gameplay elements? Like, are, is there any combat? Are there any puzzles? And he's like, no, not really. It's like, it's really just, um, it's kind of a exploration style game where, you know, like you're, you're given tasks and there's a story that, um, you know, un, uh, uh, envelops as you continue to go along. Uh, but it, it's just, it was cool, man, because it was a game that I, I it was unlike anything else I'd played there. Uh, it was just super chill. And it's totally one of those games where I could see myself wanting to play when I'm not looking to, to play like a really fast paced, like hardcore game where I just want to kind of chill and like mellow out. Uh, that's one of them, and the soundtrack is is super super good. So keep an will, eye out on that. I will never forget when I went to uh, Disneyland for this uh, epic Mickey thing with Dave uh, back at Game Fam, and we were they they had this I don't know this Tuscany like restaurant in the California Adventure where they gave us all food and shit. And so uh-huh. I sitting with all these journalists, and I had never sat with game journalists before. You know what I mean? It was all the big gaming magazines because they were still all oh god I'm... and. There was, I you mean, should feel it, so lucky but it's it, not it, having to sit around them. But at least it was a device, diverse, diverse group. There was Asian women and a bunch of different type of people there. Like I was, sure. it wasn't just all you know, schlubby dudes. I bring it up because they were all talking about like you know, you know what everyone was looking forward to playing and what they really enjoy. And it got to me. Everyone gave their thoughts, and then they gave it to me. I'm like, I'm really, uh, I really love flower. You know, like, <laughs> and the Asian lady is like, "Fucking flower!" Don't about uh, Call of Duty Black Ops. I'm like, "Nah, I'm I'm really loving Flower. I think it's gonna be one of those games that's gonna be remembered, and whatever they do next might be one of the greatest games ever made if they keep this up." Like, and they just look at me like I was fucking nuts. You know, and I'm like, "Not, not." And they went on to make Journey. Not every game, you know, that fits a mold needs to just add combat to spruce it up. You know, like there is something to be said for games that survive on ambiance. I mean, when you really think about it, what is Maniac Mansion? It's Mm -hmm. really a walking simulator, you know, where you just pixel hunt and open up things. It's like light puzzles. Yeah, super light, like barely Mm -hmm. even. So, and you yep. can break the game some other way. So it's like, oh, that's 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 one of the most fun parts about it is like just to try to find ways to to fuck with the the uh, you know the residents and see what you can do to break it. Yeah, I always knew the content for Cloud Punk was never going to be able to be like a at the level of like a Grand Theft Auto three even you know no, because it's uh-uh. just a small group of people. But if they get that ambiance feel right, and if there's a mod community down the way that can then add extra shit. You know what I mean? I could easily see 
like that voxel look man like voxel rpg look is something that i wish octopath traveler had done mm, okay. text, you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. like i mean there was dot heroes back in the day but the way it's come along now i've, I've been following the voxel tech on on uh twitter for a while and just the fucking level of detail they can get in those little pixel cities i'm like if you just throw a little character in there you got yourself an rpg man it'd fucking be amazing yeah yeah yep. so super awesome yeah, uh, it, it is cool, man. I'm I'm looking forward to playing it more. Um, there's three other games I want to talk about really quick because if I don't do it, I'll I'll, I'll hate myself because they definitely uh, warrant some some mention. Um, one game, then I had no. Um, I just kind of stumbled upon this. This guy had like a really small area in the indie um, mega booth, and uh, I just I stumbled upon it, and it just kind of caught my attention. I was watching someone play. And he came over and started talking to me. Um, the developer's called Samurai Punk, and it's called Roombo First Blood. The idea is, is you're basically <laughs> like a sentient Roomba, like a robot vacuum cleaner, right? And there are burglars that will come into your into your home. Like your family's gone, and these burglars come in, and you have to hack into the home. I, I, they easily could have called it Drone Alone. right (laughs) and it is he even said it's like it's basically like a home alone type you know like premise right so um you set traps uh for the burglars and like so for instance like you can hack um a ceiling fan and and when they come by it it'll fall and hit them and blood splatters everywhere and what you have to do is like after you kill them uh, you have to go up and clean up all the blood before the timer runs out and the family comes <laughs> before home. Before the family comes home, man. right? And so I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? I was like, this is insane. So That's I sat down great. and played it. It was actually a lot of fun. And I was like, I was talking to the guy. I'm like, okay, like, how did you come up with this fucking premise? This is just ridiculous. He's like, it's crazy, dude. He's like, I'll tell you what. What happened was, is I came home one day and my house had been broken into, and I was robbed. And the only thing that was there was uh, my Roomba. It was like sitting in the middle of the, of the, the living room. And my Roomba Someone was right was like, there. Fucking nah, not robots, man. I draw the line. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, that's how I got like the idea to make this game. I was like, that's crazy. And uh, he was a super cool dude. Um, and it's actually out on Steam right now. Uh, it's two ninety nine, super cheap. Jeez. Um, and it's just a really interesting premise. <laughs> like I just, it could I be love this year's Octodad, right? Yeah, and it all, almost kind of has that same graphical style too. Like it, it, it definitely um, has just like a quirky look to it. It kind of looks like Octodad. Um, you, you control, uh, you know, like with the right trigger is is to send them forward. The left trigger makes them go in reverse, uh, and it's just it's it's cool, man. Um, if if the 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 uh, burglars see you um like because you'll see a, like a line of sight cone and if you get in that they'll come and attack you and so you have to like run away and like get under a bed or something and let them go away so there's some like uh you know there's there's some sneaking around stealthy type stuff that you have to do with the game too so it's cool man uh it's definitely worth three bucks for sure so check out Roombo first blood maybe we'll get a, a sequel Dude, my uh, coffee what was... costs more than that, so that's a good. Oh, deal. for sure. Yeah, I mean, damn. Um, 
And uh, there were two other games that I wanted to talk about. Oh, one was, uh, we talked a little bit about it um, at the, the top of the show. It was a Panzer Paladin. And this was uh, the one where they had the actual uh, capture card there. Um, imagine it, it has a lot of uh, Blaster Master vibes to it. So you're in this, like, giant mech. And you can get out of the mech at any time. And you have like this, you know, you have your like small little, uh, you know, character that runs around and you can kind of go back and get into uh, your paladin again, which is what they call it. Um, And if he gets, if the paladin gets too damaged, you, it's going to explode. So he jumps out. And at that point, you're like really, uh, you know, um, in danger because there's all these giant fucking enemies around you that are trying to kill you and you don't really have much weapons on you so you have to hurry up and try to find like a recharge station which will recharge your your paladin and you can get back in it uh and stuff and it is is really cool man there's like some zelda vibes to it uh the combat's really good like the design of the the paladin like it, it reminds me and, and just the way he the the paladin moves a little bit of like Keith Courage on TurboGrafx 16. I don't know if you ever played that. Nope. It it was it was pretty cool, and it had it was it was somewhat similar um, to what they're doing here. Uh, just the 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 pixel art, the backgrounds are really well done. Uh, it's coming out on the Switch and PC, I believe they said, um, and it's going to be coming out this summer. Uh, so yeah, keep well, Mercenary Kings was amazing. I, I I backed their Kickstarter on that one, so I'm super looking forward to this. I have a question though: if we have to call the Genesis Mega Drive, because all you Sega, all you Sega fucking nerds out there harass me <laughs> when I still use the term Genesis. I do, use it. Now we have to call Turbo Graphics PC Engine, right? Right. Oh God. Right. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm not oh, doing oh double standards. But, but but you know what? They're also going to call the they they don't call the NES a Famicom, do they? See, I bring that one up too. I'm like, what about the Famicom yep. mother? <laughs> I don't know why the Me- maybe Mega Drive just sounds better than Genesis. Like, you know, it's got the word Mega. In it. I I agree, it does, and I also agree. PC Engine sounds cooler than the TurboGrafx 16. Um, I just that do you PC know, is the best. Do you thing. know how long it was before I realized they were the same system? <laughs> and this is how uh, I mean, all the shit I know. This is this I did not know. It wasn't until High Score Girl came out. <laughs> the oh, anime, wow. yeah. yeah, not the manga because I didn't read the manga, but the anime. I was and I'm like, oh, that's I, what honestly, it did? Honestly, yeah. Like, it was probably YouTube for me, like just watching YouTube videos of people importing it and stuff. Because I don't even know if I really knew what the PC Engine was, you know, I like growing up. PCs, so we're like, oh, we made Metal right. Gear for PC Engine. I'm like, it must be some PC line that they had in Japan that I never got to play or some shit, like. I didn't know that the draw of that system was that they could they had cards that they could fucking rent the games on and shit like that. Like that's like they could do this thing where they could put cards in a machine and rent games on the cards and take them home and play yeah. on their system. And I was like, well, why didn't they have that when that came out? Like, like I, <laughs> I would have totally asked for a system then. You know, like that would have been amazing. The last game I, I really want to talk about is this weird little game called Wonderling, and the the visuals look awesome it reminds me of uh of like a little bit of like rayman and meets um what's that one character he's the sega character he's a star what's his fucking name ristar Uh, ristar thank you yeah so it's like 
almost like a Rayman meets Ristar type of aesthetic that it has. But the um, the game is basically you you are an an enemy uh, like a scrub enemy, almost like a Goomba, right? And your goal in the game, your objective is to kill the uh, the the protagonist of the game, and you you only you only can move in one direction like or he the it automatically moves in one direction your character so you can't control him left or right you can jump and what you have to do though is like you have to run into a wall which will redirect you to go the other way which you then have to strategically find out like which which wall you need to hit and when to be able to get to the path that you're looking to get to and once you make it to the end of the stage, there is this um, witch that will come and uh, transform you into kind of like an in-boss. So at that point in time, you're then fighting uh, the the main character as this like powerful in-boss that you can try to kill him. And it continues on to the next stage. It's just a really interesting premise that I've not really seen done before. Uh, the game looks really, really cool. And the... Um, it's called the press- Wonderling. I don't. Yeah, like W U N D E R L I N G. Wonderling. And the um, the character it looks like a Goomba had sex with a squash. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> right. yeah. And that's the, if, if you're imagining that, that's what the the the, the main character. And he's got a total as. derpy face too. He you know what he yeah. looks like. He looks like if Ernest Borgnine slept with the Goomba. <laughs> right. He's got that Borgnine kind of thing going yeah. on there. Yeah. Um. But it's it's really cool. Um. I I talked to um the CEO of the the company came over. He was there like demoing it and everything. It was telling me all about it and. Just the visuals caught my attention at first, and then I started watching it, and it was really interesting. I didn't actually get a chance to play it, um, but he did give me a um, a press packet, which is really cool. And I think he wins for the best press kit of the show um, because he has um, a cassette. It, it basically has a cassette uh, soundtrack that he gave me that has um, a real cassette that has the entire game soundtrack on it i actually listened to it earlier today <laughs> and it sounds awesome um, you, but this, did you have your cassette player on your leg like an iron eagle like the oh, I Masters, wish. right did, no, did you, always no. want that? you always wanted a cassette player strapped to your <laughs> leg when you drive and shit <laughs> um but so i and, and then it comes with a uh, a switch uh download code and so i'm gonna have to to give that a, a play later i told them that it will definitely be streaming it um at some point um and dude it's uh it it looks really cool man so i wanted to talk about that oh one other thing that uh i wanted to mention really quick is the dudes over at infernax i i I was actually proud of myself for this because i completed the demo and he said i was the only the third person in the entire show and this was saturday it started on thursday that completed the demo and if you completed it the demo you're able to choose between these like VHS tapes that they had uh, in their booth. Basically their booth was set up to look like kind of like a grungy, like room from the, like the eighties or nineties. It was really cool. They had like this old couch there carpet, like a, like a old entertainment center with like a TV there and like some side tables. They had like old magazines. 
I actually gave him a copy of Mega Visions because I showed it to him and he loved it so much that he put it front and center right in under the screen for people to play. Uh, and so people would see Mega Visions right there. It was pretty cool. See, um, see, look, if you take two things you hate, uh, magazines and shitty writing, and you, you put them together, you get you get an amazing product, Megavision. That's right. Right. So we we have the shittiest writing and ugliest <laughs> magazine. Yeah. And somehow it works. I'm, I'm just uh, <laughs> I just say that because there was a whole thread going on Twitter about how they want game magazines to come back, and mm-hmm. and you were like pimping Megavisions, and they just fucking ignored you. <laughs> of course they did because they they that what they want to do is just talk about you know how magazines back then were so cool or how. Unrealistic. Edge and next generation. Edge next generation. Edge next. And it's they always put pictures of it. And it's like a white page with two tiny screens and some text. I'm like, you have that now. It's called Twitter. You well, if you want tiny screens and white. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't. I just laugh. I'm like, man, they fucking were just. They you got you got just denied. Like <laughs> there was no the um one of the original people that um tweeted. They did like the tweet, and there was a couple others that did, but they they didn't. I, I wasn't expecting. You know any sort of like, you know, long. Hey, we actually style. make a fucking magazine as opposed exactly. to you sitting around wishing someone made one. Like that's that's I don't. Know, like, it's just funny, man. You know what I was just mm-hmm. thinking about that. Like, wow, they <laughs> they really hate us, <laughs> huh? Uh-huh. Some people do, and other people complain on Twitter. So, uh, fuck them. But um, for for uh, completing the Infernex demo, I was able to get a diehard VHS tape. I Which, saw that, uh, that picture you post with all the swag. You know? yeah, I'm like, what's yeah. with the Die Hard tape? <laughs> uh, yeah, because he had Die Hard, what was it? Um, Die Hard, Gremlins, Jurassic Park 2, and something else. And I was like, oh, man, I got to take <laughs> Next I time take we do a pole caliber tournament, the grand winner, we have a giant case of VHS tapes. We just fucking oh, shove it in lap. Hey, gosh, what you win? You know? <laughs> take your fucking tapes. <laughs> And um, I did buy a couple things. I got uh, Streets of Steel, which is a board game that's basically based off of Streets of Rage and Final Fight. It's it's insane. Like it's basically like a scrolling board game. So like there's three pieces of the stage that are kind of like vertical um, tiles, and as you go through your turns, the last tile will fall off and be removed. And any character, whether it's a a player character or an enemy character that's on that last tile, when it goes off the board, everyone dies. And so if your character is left there, then you're going to die. And you have these like coins that you can use to bring your character back. Kind of like, you know, in a fucking arcade game. Um, so it's pretty neat. I, um, I actually backed it on Kickstarter. And this is one of those um, Kickstarters that are being affected by the Chinese New Year and then the coronavirus. They've got a giant container um, that's stuck in China right now. And so none of the backers can get it. They're basically just having to wait. But they said uh, on Twitter that if you're coming to PAX East and you're a backer, then you could come pick up um, a copy of the game because they did have like a hundred or so uh, copies of the game that they were going to be, you know, giving out to backers. So I went by and, and picked one up, and I ended up play testing uh, with one of the um, with one of the ladies there, and we had a really good time playing the game. Uh, it was it's it's pretty cool. So I'm hoping next time we all get together, maybe for too many games or Magfest, I'll, I'll bring it and uh, see if we can uh, to 
play it a little bit and see what you guys think. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, so it's good stuff. Um, so that was pretty much my my PAX East experience, man. I will say, oh, it was it was so exhausting. It was like E three, dude. You remember we were just on our feet all day, uh-huh. walking around, and at the end of the day, I was fucking like I was so exhausted. I got I left like Saturday morning at like five six o'clock in the morning. My flight left at six o'clock in the morning, and I didn't depart boston until about eleven thirty p.m last night so i got in a little after one o'clock and then i had to wake up and go to work this morning i felt i've been feeling like shit all day um but it was totally worth it man it was such a fun show um and it, it's definitely something we need to be going back to so even if we don't have a booth there just for the networking alone and also just playing games and getting coverage there's just so much cool stuff to do there. Um, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that it's been so long since I've gone back there. You know, it's been eight years. And, you know, I know I've probably missed a lot of really cool experiences in, in games and um, people to kind of talk with. So that's definitely going to be something I'm going to be going back to from here on out, man. Yeah, super fun, man. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I get anxiety about all the people, you know. But, uh... <laughs> There's a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people with those masks that apparently don't do anything either. Yeah, well, people were wearing that. I was in Firestorm in California when that shit went down in 2003. Mm-hmm. People were like, I'm wearing a mask. I'm like, you're not protecting yourself against fucking smoke particulates, bro. You know, yeah. I'm like, good luck. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, I mean, it didn't even help Alexander Knox against Joker Joker gas and Batman. Remember oh, that? yeah. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scotty's not here with the mail sack, uh, but we did have one question um, from Mr. Haru, and he asked this. I thought, I thought this was actually a pretty interesting question, and I'm uh, interested to see what you think, uh, Sketch. So he says, my question is, do you think Nintendo will actually leave the Switch as its own unique system of being console and handheld hybrid? From a logistic standpoint, I don't see why they would ever get rid of what the Switch does, despite Nintendo always making every console different from each other. Do you believe they can pull away from the Switch's success and forego the handheld hybrid nature in the future, or they simply improve on it for the future? I've been able to predict the last two systems. Like, I I predicted that beyond the Wii U, I actually call it the Wii View. I'm like, it'll be a dual screen system because the DS was working really, really well. And I imagine they'll give you two screens, one on your fucking system, one on the TV. Um, and then with the Switch, I was like, the best thing about that Wii U was being able to walk around and play his games everywhere. So I imagine that's what you're going to be able to do. Uh, with this next one, uh, that's a really good question, man. Like, do they just do a more powerful version? They they generally don't do that. And the GameCube is kind of like their litmus for that these days. They're like, that's we did more powerful. It doesn't work. Um, I don't agree with it, but that's their stance, not mine. You know, mm-hmm. I think what they're more likely to do is to come up with an alternative that will run parallel to the Switch and be completely different. And if that works, silently make that the new system. And it has to be completely backwards compatible. No, 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 no. It'll be its own thing that does its own thing, but they will still put out first-party Switch content while it's out to see how it goes. Interesting. That, that's the yeah. best I can do. 
in terms of predicting what they'll do next. Do you see Nintendo ever going back to a handheld only style, like a 3DS style, like next generation handheld? Well, they're, they, the problem is they have a Switch and then they, now they have games on mobile. Right. Whether we like them or not, that's where we're at. So if they did do a mobile thing, like a game like that, it would have to be something where you could get the games anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. What they would do is forego, I think they would forego like ROM sets and then the games would have to look really different, right? Like, so they would do something unique with that that isn't 3D, um, which is a shame because I'm already feeling like I'm all right now. I'm already like I probably should buy a, another backup 3DS XL so I can have these 3D games that they're never gonna fucking support ever again. So, um, for whatever reason, or, I have a crazy idea. I have a crazy idea. Right, right. Instead of having a traditional handheld, what if Nintendo made their own phone and revolutionized? like the phone, the smartphone game. Whereas like they create, you know, like maybe they, they continue the technology of like the 3DS. So like you actually have like a phone that can really do 3D uh, technology, but it's like taken to the next level where it's like way even better. You don't have to, you know, have any sort of weird glasses and it doesn't fucking cause you headaches. It looks the, really cool. The problem There's with a- that, the problem with that idea is that th- these companies have to buy up four and five G space. So that means they would have to partner with someone to make that happen. And I don't see them ever doing that ever again after the Sony debacle back in the nineties. Like they're not gonna partner they'd have to partner with someone to secure the bandwidth. I'm not saying they should, you know, like create any sort of like infrastructure and like a cell phone service. I'm just saying like create a cell phone that, you know, you know, like it's unlocked, you know, you can just, you can put it on any provider. Uh, and basically it's something that is specific to playing mobile games, but better. Like it's basically well, going to revolutionize playing mobile games on, on cell phones, but do it in such a way that, you know, maybe you bring it back to kind of like what the Xperia play was doing, where you actually had like a real controller you know into the system maybe they could do something like that maybe Um, maybe it'll be more like this maybe it's something like that but instead of mm, bigger triple a looking games like Link's awakening they were all like retro looking games and it was like the stadia right where it's streaming games right but because they're lower tech right that it it could be possible you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I wouldn't put it past them if they did something like that. They, they'd go, like, heavily in, like, the ARG, like, like, what if stuff. they put out a, a Game Boy and it streamed all their fucking retro NES, SNES, Game Boy, as well as new retro-style games? Well, that's the thing, is that if you had, um, if you had like, a phone that did that, you could have, like, the, the Nintendo, um, what is their, like, collection or whatever whatever it is on the on the switch that you can download like super nintendo and nes games or whatever like yeah it's when you do the online thing it's just yeah yeah. so if you have like nintendo online you know say you subscribe to that and you can have all that stuff on the nintendo phone they Um, should call it the next boy like (laughs) that's not a bad idea um yeah you definitely have to keep the boy in there somewhere like a cell boy or something i don't know name it boi and give it a dog persona (laughs) dude don't put it past 
Nintendo they'll have next, like n- n- next 10 dogs or whatever, you know what I mean? Next 10 mm-hmm. dogs, and it's like it comes with next 10 dogs built in, and it's the next yep. generation of streaming. I but, could honestly see them doing something like that. You have uh, to I think don't... that way with Nintendo. You can't think right. just a straight line, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you have yep. to think a little asymmetrically. You know? Yeah, and there were rumors that they were going to do that, you know, like years ago, but it never came to fruition. But I see just like right now, because it doesn't make sense for them to release a traditional handheld anymore. Like the Switch is already such a good hybrid that you don't, it, it, it just, I feel like it would just eat into each other too much. Um, so the real, the, the big money market there isn't in traditional handheld games anymore. It's in, if you're going to do that, it's in like mobile. And yeah, it's already going to mobile. built games too, mm-hmm. you know, so if... Gaming as a service or a streaming service can work with smaller games. You know what I mean? And, like, um, it, it can work, dude. It, it, they they would be the ones to pull that off. So yeah. that's why I said it would be something that that would not compete directly with what they have at now, allow them an out if it fails, and then do a, a Switch 2 if they want, or Super Switch, or whatever they want to call it down the way, you know? Super Switch. Right? Switch Tindo. 64 switch 64 i would just because that was me i would the next one super switch and then the one after that switch 64 and yep. then so we'll just be like it comes with 64 preloaded games like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's a good question um it's it's interesting uh and we'll, we'll have to see but yeah i i think they're on to something with the the switch i would like to see them continue that man it's just so so handy to be able to dock it play it on your tv pick it up and go and it's it's just such a brilliant idea i can't believe no one's you know done it um before uh but that's that's nintendo too you know like they they always come up with these weird ideas that no one's uh ever done before and they find really good ways to implement it and make it uh user friendly and consumer friendly so um uh, i think that's going to do it for this week's show lots of packs talk uh, sorry for talking and rambling so much, dude. But um, I was just so excited, man. I, it, it's been so it's so rare for me to to be able to play that many games over the course of a weekend. Because especially when we go to different events and shows, especially when we have a booth, like we're stuck at the booth the whole time. We don't get a chance to really go around and experience a lot of what other people are doing and showing there. Where, dude, it's just it's I I love hearing people like compliment the art like it makes me so happy i i got so many of that um over the course of the weekend and they're like dude who does your art i'm like check them out man sketchcraft he's pretty much they never do like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe i don't know that's, um, yeah yeah that's what that's yeah. how it goes. that's why you got to be coming to these things too man um but yeah okay <laughs> yeah i don't i don't like i was like you're like hey you want to go too many games i'm like man dude like i don't know if i want to spend 500 bucks you know what i mean like i don't like, like uh i don't know man it's expensive for me you know like the one cool thing about working from home is it doesn't cost a lot the downside is i don't make as much so i gotta be picky and choosy you know yeah and this yeah. year i want to get a ps5 so i'm like ps5 or too many games so we need to get a good we need to get what we need to do Let's get enough Patreons together so they can afford to send me. So if they want to get a signed copy, you know what I mean? Like they can. Oh, there you go. One, right? right? No one will. The wheels are turning. No one will. They, they won't. Go. <laughs> They're like, we don't want a signed copy. Nope. We want more than one a year, fucker. You know, like. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to put out more than 
you know, actually be a quarterly magazine and, and be on time before we can do that. But we'll see. Right, uh, right, it, right. It's hard, hard dude. It's, it's hard making magazines, man. That's why no one does it. And it's really hard making. Well, it's easy to make shitty magazines. Do. You right. know what I mean? It's hard to make it to reinvent the whole fuck. I mean, that's the thing, dude. Like, I mean, it's we're at the back end of the podcast. So I figure if they stuck around for this, they're they're willing to listen, <laughs> right? <laughs> Most people. You ever no, see the fine. average listen times are like five minutes on this shit? You yeah, know? Like, it's funny. But no, we're like, in the home stretch, so we're just chilling now. We're literally making shit that don't exist nowhere, you know. And like, anytime you do, you ever see the, you ever read a book called Mindset? No. So the premise of mindset is that there's two kinds of basically ways of thinking. One is a fixed mindset and the other one's a growth mindset. It sounds pretty simple. But the growth mindset, you know, when when you're in a situation where you're you're inventing things or there there isn't a way to go, I'm gonna do it just like that. You have you're taking different things and making something new. Like that iterative process, you know, usually throws people off and gets them to be like, fuck it. And they and they generally don't ever get appreciated right away. Like it just takes time. You know, so I'm always like, I'm always like re reaffirming, you know, like my design decisions. But I'm like, maybe I should just fucking knock this out and be done with it. But then I'm like, look, you know, if we're putting any kind of effort into something, it may as well be for something that has the ch- at least you look at it, you know, this shit's fucking real. You know what I mean? Because we can always you can just make knockoff shit whenever you want. So right, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, like I wish there was a faster way to do all this other than more hands, but. You know, we're in a situation where, like, I mean, when you went to these indie devs at PAX, you're talking about, what, teams of four people? Yeah, yeah, small, small teams. Right, right, teams of four people, not teams of hundreds, you know? So, like, like, uh, you know, it takes them longer. They can only do so much, you know? And sometimes, you know, like, things are a byproduct of, of, of that limitations. Like, okay, it's pixels because we only have so many people. But then you get the few that push... And I, man, I imagine Lizard Cube making Wonder Boy, the, the Dragon Trap, was no easy feat. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I can't and, imagine. Yeah, and it probably took forever and all sorts of shit. So I feel like as every issue, we get closer to this new thing, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, luckily, I warned you. I did warn you. Uh, we're going to get some good movement, and then there's going to be these growth circles, and then it's going to fucking take up. And right around that time, we're going to have to get people on board to help. You know, and I can... That's where we're at now, but I'm I feel confident like when you show the newer stuff that it won't look just like a magazine. You know, you won't get like Jason Schreier who I like, you know, but we'll be like, oh, it's a magazine. Like, well, it's different, you know. Like, and beyond just looking old and having retro games, once it has all the characters and it's got the, it, it's gonna fucking be its own thing, you know. Without Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I, I see it, man. I, I totally see that vision and. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, So we do have some upcoming streams this week. Uh, Our Thursday night throwdown is going to be Anarchy Reigns on the PS3. Uh, We're going to be starting at 8 uh, p.m. EST. So, hey, if you're listening and you've got Anarchy Reigns, come and join us as we play the game. Uh, Join the, the Discord. Uh, we're literally the only people that play this game online anymore. Yeah, no and it's a shame. <laughs> Dude, it's a shame. It's so, so good. This is I got Platinum clowned. Games. I got clowned for still playing my PS3 because we were talking about PS5 shit online. Yeah. And I was I was on one of the streams. And I'm like, hey, man, I hope that thing's backwards compatible because I play Motostorm all the fucking time. I, I, I got a PS3 Slim. 
You know what I mean? Just so I could, because my PS, I my love fatty. Motorstorm, man. It yeah, was, was, the first was awesome. two, the third one's okay. I like the cutscenes, just the actual gameplay is a little too chaotic. But um, I love Pacific Rim. Is I have that soundtrack from Iron Eagle. You know, like the rainy when he's in the the canyon. You know, yeah. Do you rock and roll? Like I play that on a loop. Do 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 do. That's you want to have a good time. Put Rainy Hayes's. It was it too young to rock, too old to rock and roll, or whatever, on a loop and play some Motorstorm Pacific Rim, and you're gonna have we, against Notcher. Was it Notcher in the canyon? Remember he's on the bike and he's racing the dude right. playing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I do. Um, but yeah, that PS3 doesn't. I mean, there's some really good games on there that people have forgotten about. Anarchy Reigns is pretty fucking awesome, though, dude. Folklore is one of those games I I always put on that list too. I like folklore a lot too. Yeah, man, the PS3's got some awesome games, but yeah, Anarchy Reigns. Is such a fun uh, online uh, like brawler, uh, which we we're gonna play once a month now. So this is our monthly time to play it. We're trying to see if we can get more people into this community and and just you know have a small you know but like dedicated community to play this game. So if you're listening, and you want to play it and check it out, do that. It's super cheap too, dude. It's like you can get copies for five bucks. So it's not like one of those games that's gonna cost you anything. Uh, but if you just want to check out the stream, you're not interested in playing, uh, you can watch us at uh, patreon.com slash megavision uh, is where you'll find uh, the stream. It's go. We stream pretty much every weekday at this point. So one of the uh, we have different streamers every night uh, for my night. It's Wednesday. Uh, Odin and I will we always do some sort of co-op or multiplayer game. Uh, this week, we're going to do Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville again. We did it last week, and we had a lot of fun with it. It's so much fun that we're like, let's just do it again. We we really enjoying the game. Uh, that's a really good shooter, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Sketch, I know you've been streaming a lot. Uh, people can watch your streams to see uh, the progress of the cover, but where can they actually go to see your streams and, and watch what you're doing? Well, I stream simultaneously on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. So Look Sketchcraft Live will take you straight to the Twitch page. Uh, YouTube is sketchcraft.net. We'll take you there. We'll just type Sketchcraft into YouTube. But whenever I stream, I, I use this thing called Restream now, so it streams to all three. And Facebook, it streams for about 30 minutes, and it just cuts out for some fucking reason because Facebook is dumb. But it goes there. So, uh, yeah, I'll be streaming the remainder of the, all the way through, folks. I mean, we're talking 9, 10, 11-hour streams sometimes, you know. So, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's knocking futz, bro. That that um that turtle thing, I'm counting up now around 80 to 90 hours of video. Oh, my YouTube God. Alone. It's all in real time. It's all there. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to, when the issue's done, I'm going to have to make a speed video that gets edited down to about a 90-minute length, you know. <laughs> for, for the turtles and for wow, the, that's crazy. Uh, for the uh, the virtual on, but I thought when we do that, uh, we'll have to have you and someone else on whoever wants to talk about turtle shit and then virtual on yeah. as well. You know, if Scotty wants to yeah. go on or anyone else, you know, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely, that'd be fun. Um, for I sure. will so, also be playing Final Fantasy VII uh, by myself, not streaming it because fucking I hate conversations with people. I do, but I will be playing the Final Fantasy VII remake demo. We should all talk about that in two weeks. Chris, we will definitely out. i my download it's funny uh i started the download like right when we began the podcast and it just finished a few uh minutes ago perfecto um i'll be doing that uh later tonight and tomorrow um but remember uh you can support megavisions and subscribe on our patreon at www 
www.patreon.com slash megavisions and you can choose between either a physical or digital edition of the magazine. Um, each issue is released quarterly or whenever we feel like it and it contains some a beautiful cover art, 64 pages of retro style goodness and awesome Sega coverage of classic and new games. We also pack in different features and interviews uh, with all sorts of people in and around the Sega community. And it's just a super badass magazine that you've got to get and enjoy. So with that said, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week with a sideshow. Uh, we're play- We're going to be watching that uh, Dragon Quest, uh, my story movie, right? Your, your, your story. Your story. Is it your story? Okay, Dragon Quest, your story. Haven't watched it yet, uh, but I'm actually looking forward to it. So we'll be doing that for the next sideshow, and then we'll be back for the next Megavision show in a couple weeks. All right, that's going to do it. We will see you later. Bye.